I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Well, welcome everybody to another week of the I'm Wondering Podcast. I am excited to be back again. Um, I hope all of you are doing well. Hey, it's not actually snowing this time. It's one of those rare incidences where I'm not recording this when it has just snowed, but apparently some snow is coming in tomorrow. So um, enjoy the 60-some degree weather that we've been having. Colorado makes no sense. Any of us who've lived here for more than a year know that it makes no sense, that it could be you know snow like you know, four to six inches, you know, the week before, and then it's been in the 60s for most of this week. So soak it up. Um, it's always great to have nice weather days. Uh, my wife, Hannah, and I were able to actually go play tennis the other day, which we haven't done, obviously, since the season kind of turned. And that was really nice to get out into the sunshine and play some tennis, something that we, of course, love. So I hope you get some time to do what you love outside. Uh, whether that's a good hike or just a good walk or whatever it may be, um, take advantage because more snow is coming and it will get a little colder again. Um, and then, of course, I hope um, you know. I hope most of you were able to enjoy your Ash Wednesday. Maybe some of you listening were able to join us in person, which was just wonderful. Um, very full sanctuary for the service, which was great. All the singing. Um, that's one of the things I think from COVID that we have really missed is just that full um, sanctuary that's everyone singing loud. And it, it was wonderful um, to be with everybody last night during Ash Wednesday and uh, start off this Lenten season. So uh, if you were in person, I'm sure you uh, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you got to watch online, I just hope it was a good start to your Lent season as we enter into the next 40 days uh, of Jesus's journey to the cross. Um, so that's about it for my intro. We're going to jump into this topic. Um, and if anyone misses the little musical interlude, you can let me know about it at the I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com. Uh, those, uh, little musical interludes, they're actually little nuggets of music that I wrote a couple years ago on my computer. So, um, if you like them, that's awesome. Uh, if you don't, yeah, that's also awesome. Um, they were just fun and something that I could use on the podcast. So, um, sorry if you missed those, but I, I find it's easier just to go straight into the topic. Um, so today, uh, I've titled the episode, do we make Jesus in our own image. Um, and this is actually kind of a bit of a take on a listener request that I received this week. Um, the listener actually asked, is Jesus woke? Um, how does Jesus see that? Um, meaning the, the woke movement. Um, now that word woke and uh, what it does or does not represent uh, evokes very strong emotions from people these days. Uh, I don't know many people who are neutral on this idea of wokeness. Um, for those of you unfamiliar, because I'm sure there's some of you who maybe are unfamiliar with what it means to be woke or what the wokeness movement looks like, um, the basic definition, this is the Merriam-Webster definition, so just a very dry uh, version. Um, it means someone who is aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. 
Um, and we've kind of covered this. We, we covered race in the church back in episodes six and seven. That was with Jacob and Aisha. Um, and we also covered social justice versus um, biblical justice in episode 54 and 55. And I did that with Pastor Amy. Um, those four episodes provide a good insight into a biblical view of wokeness, um, if you were to ask me. Um, but this question really had me thinking for a few days about another way to maybe cover um, what was being asked. And I finally came up with this sort of core idea, uh, which is, do we make Jesus in our own image? Uh, to wonder if Jesus is woke um, is really to wonder if Jesus fits into a particular group in uh, their criteria for belonging. Um, and that's not unique to the woke movement. Um, that's far from the first time that question has been asked and, and will be far from the last time it's asked. Um, because we do this a lot as individuals. Um, we see it in politics too, I would say, is the most common place we might see a question like this. Um, people want to nationalize Jesus for their own party. Um, he's a Democrat because of A, B, C, D, or a Republican because of A, B, C, D. Uh, church denominations do the same thing as well. Jesus is a Lutheran, or a Methodist, or a Baptist, or a non-denominationalist, uh, etc., or, or Catholic. You know, the, We're always kind of asking, is Jesus this? Is Jesus that? Um, and typically we're asking that question um, out of curiosity, maybe, um, or we're asking it because we affiliate with that particular group of people and what they represent. So, of course, we're wondering, does Jesus also represent that? Um, which leads me to a great Voltaire quote, um, whose theology is all sorts of wrong. Um, I'm not going to go into why that is, um, but he was not very on a lot of things. But this is a great quote from him that I think certainly applies to what we're going to talk about today. He said this, in the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. Uh, I have used a version of this quote a couple times in sermons and, and even on previous podcasts. We did do an Image of God podcast um, a while ago, and I think I used this quote, but I, it's so apt. I think it's such a, a representative quote um, for the question that was asked and for kind of the core idea of what I'm getting at. Um, so why do we so easily make Jesus into our image? Uh, you could of course extend that out to God as a whole because Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God, right? So God is three persons in one essence. So you could just, um, extend this beyond Jesus, but I think this most often happens when we talk about, um, Jesus, um, that we are prone to sort of make him, um, fit into our particular group, and we do this, I think, quite easily, or it's something that we uh, naturally are inclined to do. Um, and there are plenty of reasons as to why we as humans are drawn to making Jesus in our image or wanting him to purely represent our group, that he's this figurehead of a particular group. Um, and I remember a pastor who had a book that contained different paintings of Jesus from cultures all around the world, um, and I know I referenced this probably in the Image of God uh, podcast, so this might be a repeat, sorry. Um, but I looked high and low on Google for the book because I wanted to find it. I couldn't find it. 
Um, but anyways, to take kind of a positive view on this first, because it is very easy, I think, to maybe go towards what would be negative. Um, those paintings, to me, they demonstrate that Jesus transcends culture while also being relatable to each culture. Um, within Jesus, people um, find themselves and feel represented by the Messiah. Um, historically, Jesus was, of course, a first century Jew living in the heart of the Middle East. Um, so it's unlikely that he would have physically looked like most of the paintings in that book. Um, however, the point of those paintings is not to offer a historically accurate depiction of Christ, um, but a relational picture, um, how Christ speaks to every tribe and tongue, how people feel represented by Christ um, in their own culture. That said, uh, it is very easy to cross the line into territory that forces Jesus into our image in an unhealthy way. Um, even his disciple Peter fell into this, right? He fell into this. Um, when we look at Matthew 16, 21 through 28, Jesus is predicting his death to come, and Peter is having none of it. Uh, verses 22 through 23, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine rebuking Jesus. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, he took him aside and rebuked him. He said, never, Lord, um, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, that's an intense moment, uh, but I think it's even more intense when you realize that just before this, in verses 13 through 20, Peter is the first to identify Jesus as the Messiah. Verses 15 through 16, but what about, this is Jesus asking, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter had just declared that Jesus is the Messiah before rebuking him for being the Messiah. He was the Messiah, but not entirely on Peter's terms. That is the hang-up that often causes us to make Jesus what we want him to be, uh, to fit into our group, to fit into our conception of who Jesus is. Um, and Satan actually pulled the same thing on Christ when offering him all the kingdoms of the world in the temptation of Luke 4. Uh, he offered all power, all splendor of everything on earth as long as Christ worshipped Satan. Satan knew who Jesus was, but he wanted him to be who he was on his terms. He wanted to control who Jesus was. Likewise, is Jesus woke? If you want him to be, is Jesus a Democrat? If you want him to be, is Jesus a Republican? If you want him to be, is Jesus part of a denomination? If you want him to be. What we want Jesus to be and who he really is are two different things. And they are often, I believe, at odds with each other. Think of how Jesus ends his rebuke in Matthew 16, 23. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. If we are desiring to fit Jesus into our particular group above all else, we have merely human concerns. 
He is not Lord according to our laws or Christ according to our culture. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords who transcends any cage we attempt to keep him in. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Do the concerns or issues of any particular group concern Christ? Of course. They, of course, concern Christ. In woke culture, the beating drum centers around racial and social injustices. Do I believe Jesus is concerned with injustice? Absolutely. Let's look at Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness faithfulness go before you. For Republicans, pro-life is important. Do I believe Jesus cares about preserving life? Absolutely. John 1, 3-4. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Everything has been made in and through Christ. He brings life, not death. Death is the opposite of who Christ is. Even though he died for us. Yeah, we could all we could unpack that. I think you get what I mean by that statement. For Democrats, the poor and suffering is a key issue. Do I believe Jesus cares for the poor and suffering? Absolutely. Matthew 11, 4 through 5. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. I use these examples to say that Jesus shares your concerns, but he is not somebody that can be captured to your culture. You can't contain him within your particular culture or view. My encouragement from this point is that we work to stop understanding Christ through our culture and understand our culture through Christ. And again, we talked sort of uh, we talked a lot more about this in some of our very first episodes on the podcast with cultural Christianity. Um, so if you want more of that, you could reference that podcast. I believe that was episodes two, three, right after the introduction that Jacob and I did. So the next question that follows from all of this, in, in my mind at least, is who is Jesus? Uh, well, since you know, I kind of dragged Peter a little bit um, from his proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah the, to then trying to rebuke him, uh, we can be a little gracious and realize that Peter was right about who Jesus was. In Matthew 16, 16, you were the Messiah, the son of the living God. Some other things, uh, of other verses, quite a few other verses about who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. These are all in the NIV, by the way. That's the translation I'm using. 2011 NIV for all of you Bible nerds who are wondering which year. He is also the source of salvation, Hebrews 5, 9. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He's the true bread from heaven, John 6, 32. 
Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Jesus being the bread of life. He is the perfect shepherd. 1 Peter 5.4 And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. We also talk about Jesus being the good shepherd. Christ is the cornerstone. Psalm 118.22 The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He is the first and the last. Revelation 1.17 And when I saw him, that being Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his, hand, his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Christ is the living word, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ is supreme in every way. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Uh, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, in verse, starting in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And the last one, the great high priest, another favorite of mine, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I love that. Approach the throne of God, the, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, all of these are really just a tip of the iceberg about who Jesus is. Maybe there are others that come to your mind that you really like, uh, but the point I'm trying to make with all of these verses and titles is that we know who Jesus is. He has revealed himself to us. And this revelation isn't bound to our cultural adaptation of who Jesus is. And you know what? I, I am personally very, very thankful for that. Because if we attempt to limit Jesus to our conception of who he is, we often limit the gospel. Because the groups that we have as humans, whether it's the woke movement, whether it's political groups, whether it's social groups, those often mean that some people are in and some people are out. 
And when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, everyone has a chance to be in. Everyone is welcomed in. So it's important that we don't try and force unnecessary human labels and views upon Jesus to try and make sense of who he is. We already know who he is. All of scripture has spoken to that. Jesus himself spoke to that matter. So I just want to challenge all of us when it comes to this. When we're, whenever we're asking, is Jesus A, B, C, or D? Does he belong to this group or that group? That instead of asking if Jesus fits into our group, making him into our image, let us ask how Jesus is conforming us more into his image. And that comes from Romans 8, 29. And if that happens, I am convinced that we will be fixing our eyes upon God and his kingdom. And we will be transformed in that. Uh, we will not be bound to groups. We will be not be bound to human, merely human concerns, but we will be bound to, to God's concerns, Christ's concerns. We will fight injustices that God cares about. We will fight for things that all these different groups do care about, but we will fight for them in a manner that Christ would also fight for them, not in the way that we want to, and in a way that contorts or conforms Christ into our, our image, but that we would instead be conformed to Christ's image. Um, that transcends all, all institutions and all groups on earth, and I'm thankful for that um, because Christ is good, and he is great, and he gave us the gospel to free us in every sense, and we belong to God as his children and as part of his kingdom. Um, and as someone just said, uh, just like uh, 30 minutes ago in the office, to look upwards and not inwards, and I, that really struck me. I thought that was a great way to sort of end this podcast, is let us look upwards and not inwards. Let us let, us let Christ be who Christ is and not who we want him to be. Um, because who he is is so much greater than anything we would want him to be, if we're being honest. So I hope that was insightful, encouraging. Maybe there's some good challenge in there. Um, maybe I didn't answer it the way you would want me to, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I think that I think that the biblical answer is always the best answer. Those are that is God's word, God speaking to us, um, and I'm also thankful for that. And if you're gonna Watch online this weekend uh, for services, or come here and service. Come to services here at the church. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit um, when it comes to Jesus's temptation. Um, and I will, for the rest of my life, talk a lot about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit because that's essential um, when it comes to this. So, to lighten things up a little bit, a little shorter podcast. That's nice, right? Lighten things up a little bit. Uh, I'm wondering. What is your favorite thing about Lent? Um, Lent is a wonderful season that invites us to reflect. Uh, for some, it is a good season to take inventory of where they're at in life, um, to uh, maybe ask a deeper question about the, the habits or the way that they've structured their life. And um, it's a good time to maybe add or subtract something um, that would be uh, something that draws you closer to God or, or helps you in your faith. Um, so it's just a wonderful season for me more than anything. Um, I'm not a big adder or subtractor. Um, I try to live by daily conviction personally. Um, but it is such a wonderful season, these 40 days, to reflect 
um, on every step that Jesus took on the way to the cross, um, and then ultimately to celebrate um, abundantly what his resurrection means um, and how he has finished his work by his death and resurrection, and it's brought us eternal life. Um, That is humbling, um, and that is something that is never fully... Uh, comprehensible for me. Um, so this season's wonderful because it, it invites me to both celebrate uh, uh, where Jesus is going um, and to also embrace some of the mystery of it, of, of all that the Lord has done for us. Um, so that's why Lent uh, matters a lot to me. Um, it is a really great season of reflection um, and thanksgiving. So I would love to hear why it's important to you um, and why uh, what you do maybe, or, or how you engage the season and how that's impactful to your faith. And you can let me know uh, by emailing the I'm wondering podcast at gmail.com or emailing me again personally if you have my work email. Um, of course, if you go to Faith Community, you can stop me in person and, and talk with me about it. Um, I always enjoy the conversations I get to have as a result of this podcast and the episodes um, that I record. So, I hope all of you are doing well. Again, I hope you have a blessed start to your Lent season. Uh, We have a Lenten devotional here at the church. That's on our front page, um, fclc.org. So if you need a resource or a devotional you want to engage, we do have that available. Um, Pastor Amy did a ton of work for that. Um, I was able to contribute as well as many people at our church. So it's a wonderful thing to see so many of God's people um, offering these devotionals and the different perspectives and insights that they have, and and I I learn a lot not a just not just about who wrote them, but um, I just learn a lot about faith and and how it's impactful to people. So, if you need that, uh, that is available um, on our front page, the church's front page. So, I hope all of you um, have a, a blessed weekend, a wonderful weekend. Um, I hope to see you at church if you're a faith community attender or member. Um, if you're not, I pray that you have a wonderful time where wherever you're at, whatever church you're at with um, your body, um, that you can worship God in all his fullness and glory uh, and be reminded that we are conformed to the image of the Son. Um, and that is a good thing and it's a grace-filled thing. So for now, I'm Dylan and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. <laughs>